Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and... Ashley. Ashley, you look like a dewy <laughs> spring day today. Oh, it's probably because I'm trying a new um, tinted uh, sunscreen and it oh. has a little bit of dewiness in it. It's almost, it kind of takes me by surprise. I can't tell if I look oily or dewy. No, so. I think you look dewy. <laughs> you look dewy. Um, you look fantastic. I, so do you. Uh, because I was wearing intense sunscreen the whole week because I was in Florida, I have cool um, chin acne, like the entire length <laughs> of my chin. Okay. Do you get chin acne from sunscreen too? All the time. So bad. <gasps> and so I, which gra- one are you using? Well, I use like, I use Neutrogena. I know people are like, oh, you should try super goop. You no, don't use super goop. Oh, don't okay, use super goop. Okay. Because it broke me out so bad around oh. my face, like my chin and my lips. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Apparently there's like some really great Korean skincare yes, that's supposed to be good I've for SPF. This. So I should look into it. But anyway, I did that. I broke out. Um, I was talking with Sarah, our podcast coordinator, and I was FaceTiming her. I was packing. And she's like, why are you bringing two packages of pimple patches? And I was like, because this is my journey. I was like, I will get horrific cystic acne. Does this have anything to do with the you families? No, but I'm so sorry. That's where we're at. I mean, we could direct it back to like yeah. post hormones or something. Yeah. And really. Well, maybe it's a trauma response. Yeah. You know what? Just like my face is uh is breaking out we're breaking out of trauma cycles oh yep that was yeah okay well you didn't seem as impressed as i was opening so (laughs) i just don't know how i feel about relating breaking out of trauma um to my zits but Um, i get the sentiment your body is expelling garbage This is great. This is all really good stuff. (laughs) This is why people tune in. Uh Um, Well, today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of having a a dear friend and a team member um, here to talk about something really beautiful and close to both of our hearts. Um, We've had her on before um, and she's shared the story about her kiddos. Uh, We'll definitely make sure to link that. But welcome, Aisha. We're so glad that you're here. Hi. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) <laughs> oh man uh Ashley do you want to say like a bunch of glowing things about Asia and then I can say a bunch of glowing things about Asia yes oh, I would so. love to say glowing things <laughs> about Asia what was the uh team award you gave Asia again you were like Oprah's favorite things right oh yeah like, she'd what be on Oprah's the list favorite. yeah she'd be on the list yeah. like like a, a lovely cashmere sweater <laughs> Yes. I have that hanging over my side of the bed so that Andy sees it every time. He's reminded as well. <laughs> Just a reminder, I am as good as one of the items on Oprah's favorite mm-hmm. list. Um, but no, Aisha, we love you so much. We, Anytime we have the chance to hear from your heart, hear from your wisdom, whether that's in something that you write – or create or an episode on the podcast, we always leave just feeling like we've been hugged. Um, you do such a beautiful job of telling your story in such a vulnerable way and at the same time in a gentle way that feels just like a true honor and a gift to um, to be there when you share. And so we love you so much. We were very excited that you were able to do this episode and um, we've been looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Aisha has uh, shared a really beautiful episode before um, about her her journey with her son um, Enzo and her daughter Ava, um, and they're they're really lovely. And um, I think that you have a stillness and a wisdom about you that I know that that listeners love and we love too. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Ash and I were just like texting about you the other day and how wonderful you are. Wow. We do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys both. You both are gifts to me. And as for every mama listening, um, we all just 
love you guys so much. I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for this space. Well, if you are listening for the first time or listening for the millionth time, um, season six is all about growing our families after NICU. And we've tried to be intentional to share as many diverse experiences of that as possible, knowing full well that there's no way that we could cover every single experience, but trying to honor um, the many different facets of what it looks like to grow our families after NICU. And so for this episode, um, Martha and Aisha are going to talk about growing their family after loss. Um, and so Martha, do you want to take it away and kick off, kick off the episode? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, just sharing a little bit background about, um, Aisha and our stories. Um, I can go first. My, um, I've had two NICU kids. Um, my son, JP, was born in 2015. He was a 25-weeker, and he um, unfortunately only lived for three days. Um, and then I had my daughter, JJ, um, a few years later, and she was born in 29 weeks and had a 47-day NICU stay. Um, uh, and then we we brought her home, and you know, I mentally devolved as I was processing um, grief and and the 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 trauma of what had happened over the past, you know, four or five years. Um, and so uh, we, you know, with that perspective, I know it's really important to, to kind of talk about this focus today on, on pregnancy after loss, you know, NICU potentially after loss and how you make that decision and navigate it too. Um, Isha, do you want to share a little bit about your, your beautiful babes? Yeah. So I think when I was last on, um, it was around this time because I just got a memory and I feel like it was around this time um, that yeah, we that had, um, got together and talked about um, Enzo and JP. Um, and I didn't know that much about your story. I hadn't heard your podcast. So we ended recording and I went back and I listened to it and just saw mm-hmm. because there were so many things that I resonated yeah. with. Um so I too um, had um, a 24-weeker um, Enzo in 2018, and um, he was with us for seven hours, and then had Ava a year after, um, and what maybe so in 2000? Well, 2020 was when she was born. I, I conceived her a year after, I guess. Um, and, uh, she was 26 weeks, um, I was 26 weeks pregnant when I had her and she had an 82 day stay in the NICU. Um, and like you said, I think, um, once I had her was when I really dove into my grief, my healing journey, um, before um, I mentioned the year, because I think that's a really important marker for me, because when I had Enzo, after I had Enzo, I, you still have to go to the six week postpartum checkup because you did give birth. Yep. Um, and um, I go to my appointment and the only thing in my mind at that time was when can I try again? Yeah. Um, that was the only question I had. And, you know, like she goes through the whole spiel, checking me out, I'm feeling that. And if you have any questions, when can I try again? Like instantly, that was my question. And she told me, you know what? Uh, at least a year, just wait a year, give it a year, and then you can try again. And so then that day it started in my head, a countdown to a year. Um, and I told myself, okay, I, that's good. A year should be enough time for me to process the loss that I've just experienced. Um, I think I knew I was like aware enough to know like, okay, yeah, you need that time. You need that space to grieve and to process and not like jump into another pregnancy um, without really having dealt with all this um, stuff that um, you go through um, when you experience loss. so I was like, perfect, a year, that'll be great. Like, I'll just do that. And then I'll get pregnant and it will all be um, how it's supposed to be. Um, but really, I say all that because I think in my head, I had processed in my head. I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I journaled and I, I 
grieved. It wasn't like I wasn't grieving, but um, it really wasn't until I had Ava that um, I really started the journey of healing. Um, and it really took me by surprise how much I hadn't dealt with, how much I kind of um, put a Band-Aid over, uh, told myself, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I, I'm okay now. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is maybe misconceptions of, like, um, your grief. You know, I know that it's forever, but it gets less, and and you yeah. can learn to live with life. Um but what I didn't know is like, no, sometimes, I mean, I'm three years out and sometimes I have a grief that is so intense um, yeah. as if it were um, the day that I lost my son. Um, so mm-hmm. but, uh, it's funny that like whole, like the, the, the feeling gets um, less intense with time. Yes, there's parts of yeah. uh, truth in that, but then also it's, it can be the opposite and that can really catch you by surprise. So yeah, I I would definitely would encourage those who haven't to go back and, and listen to when we talk about grief and Enzo. Um, it's really beautiful. And Asia, you do such a wonderful job talking about it. But, you know, I think back to that, my six week postpartum appointment with my doctor after having JP and I remember very similar um, experience. Of, of course, I think most people who've experienced neonatal loss or stillbirth or miscarriage or, you know, any of the other types of um, losses that surround the postpartum time or the um, pregnancy. It's, um, you, we hear a lot of those well-meaning, but like really painful comments of at least, you know, you can get pregnant or you can have another one, blah, 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 blah. And I think we all know like that's having another child is not a band aid or doesn't fix that loss. Right. Um, and at the same time, I also feel like a lot of us feel like this mission of like, okay, I had that baby. And then you kind of snap to a, a lot, a logistical place. Okay. So if I wait this time, if I do this, then I can have, th- then I can have that not happen again. Right. It's not necessarily about getting rid of the old experience because that pain and love is with you forever, but it's about how, how do I make it right? How do I do it? This, it, how, what can I do to, to protect myself and my child moving forward? Um, you're seeking to control it, right? Because we went through probably the most horrific example of lack of control possible. Um, I don't know. Is that how you kind of felt? I know you said you talked about like the, the bandaid yes. of, of putting on your emotions. No, absolutely. And, and even what you said about, um, um, you said something in the lines of like uh it's like how do we not repeat right like it's not yeah. like we want to do it over and do it not having the same outcome and I remember mm-hmm. when we found out um we were having a girl it was so shocking because I had Enzo he was my boy and I was like well I think we both just, I think really my husband really wanted a boy. So when we mm. were pregnant, I was like, Oh, please let it be a boy. I want my husband to have his son. Um, and then we were having a girl and it took us a whole day to like, let that sink in. And, um, but then when we, um, when we did, um, I think it was like, okay, well, you know what? That this is a new chapter. This is not, um like we get to do it all differently because now we're having a girl and um you know the the one thing that they told me over and over again when uh, we did find out it was a girl I was like oh you must be so happy because girls are so do better yes they just yeah. and, and that was like I don't want to hear that I don't want to I don't want any sort of like um yeah I don't want you to put those two together like why are you even suggesting that yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, I think, um, there was a part of me that's like, yeah, this is a do, this is a do over. Uh, that's what I wanted it to be. Like, we're going to do it again and we're going to do it right. Like you said, and we're not going to have this, um, grief hanging over our heads. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even though I didn't want to hear like girls have a better fighting chance, like that was another little thing that I could put in my, um, in my bag mm-hmm. and say like, okay, 
at least I know that. Um, and so, yeah, for sure. It, it, I did go into a little bit more of like a mechanic, like my, my second mm-hmm. pregnancy was more, um, it felt like mechanical, like what are we, um, how are we just going to like make the time pass yep. um, every day is like a victory. Um, and, um, yeah, it was intense though. Cause you still got that yeah. stress. You still, um, you know, you, you did experience loss. I, and, um, as I mentioned, um, when I was uh, telling Enzo's story, everything went, was going so well for my pregnancy that it was such a curveball when I went into labor. And, um, so there was always that lingering, like, what if, um, yeah. is this going to happen again? And it did. And, uh, I remember going into my 24 week, uh, checkup and leaving that appointment and the doctor saying like, everything looks so good. They had been checking my cervical, my cervix, um, and the length of it to make sure that it wasn't, um, shortening, um, and everything looked fine. And I remember him telling me, okay, go enjoy your pregnancy. Like this is because he knew I had gone into labor 24 weeks. So he's like, I think you can like take a breath and like relax because we made it this far. Everything looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want you to worry anymore. And I was like, yes. Um, and then two weeks later, um, I was, I was heading into the EOR for an emergency C-section. It was six minutes between me arriving at the hospital and me being wheeled into the OR. Mm. Um, and I was put to sleep the first time I hadn't been, I was awake for Enzo. The second time they, they put me under fully. Um, and when I woke up, I remember them telling me we had never seen what we saw today when we went in um, to deliver Ava and um, my uterus had ruptured completely Mm. and Ava had was not even inside my uterus anymore she was already like floating in like my abdomen area Um, and so uh, that and bring that up because when you go through loss you want to find someone or something to blame for what you went through. Mm -hmm. And so the second pregnancy, I was really aware, like, I didn't want to do anything to cause me to go into early labor. Like, I was just so I I was really scared um, of, of being at fault for for something. And what is really horrible and what um, has been something really hard to process and realize that I, first of all, I'm not, I'm not to blame, um, is that I kept being told after the fact, you should have waited three years. Why did you get pregnant after a year? <laughs> yep. But I'm like, oh my gosh, did I do this? Like, was I so right. eager to have another baby to like fill this? gap that I have and that I caused this to happen hmm. and that's a really hard thing to admit to oneself it's really hard to say out loud yeah and ultimately I have had to come to accept the fact that this is a journey that I'm on I've had to preterm waivers um and my daughter is here mm-hmm. and she's gone through a lot in her short life, but I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, thanks for, I so appreciate you being so vulnerable, Isha, and sharing that about Ava's birth and everything and what was said. And I think you bring up a really good observation, which is, so the whole thing about having a loss, right, is that you want to do 
anything possible to prevent it happening again, right? And it becomes a mission. It becomes a job. I'm not going to have this happen again. And so you do everything that you're supposed to do, right? Whatever that is, blah, blah, blah. And you, you try to control it as much as possible. But the reality of it is there is so much gray area and mystery and beauty, to be honest, and unknown about this type of medicine. It is not cut and dry. There is a lot of nuance to it. And also it's really hard because we've all had this experience where you go see one provider and they have a set of criteria or a process that they follow. And then there's a different one that has a completely opposite of that. And it's, it's, it drives you nuts. It drives you crazy, right? Because you're just wanting to say, prescribe me, tell me exactly what to do to make it not happen again. And the hardest part about it is uh, an element of it is a leap of a leap of faith you know, a, an element. And that that's, that's hard for each person to decide, am I ready for that? Am I ready for that extra amount of stress and uncertainty in my life right now? Um, and again, if this, if your situation was similar to Aisha's, you know, anybody who's listening, just like she said, this is, this is not your fault. Every single parent on earth is making the best decisions that they can with the information they have at the time. And I think you made some incredible decisions and advocated incredibly well for your, for your family. And I'm really angry at the people who were like, wait three years. Well, like, okay. As I like to say, go suck an egg because <laughs> what am I, what? Yeah. That's like so horrible to say to a mom who's just been through a trauma. And also like, what good is that information now? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard. Um, I, so I appreciate you sharing that, but I, I wonder too how you navigated this idea of, because I know so many moms are going through this. We have members of our team go through it all the time when they follow through with pregnancy, but like um, our relationship with Dr. Google, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, or Facebook groups. There's so many Facebook groups out on the, in the inter- on the internet and discussion boards and different types of things that are for pals or pregnancy after loss or, um, you know, people with insufficient cervixes or people who've had help syndrome and preeclampsia or folks who've had, um, you know, different situations with multiples. So you go on to there and you're just flooded with so much information from other people, so many different thousands of different anecdotal situations, right? Well, I have my water broke at this date and I did this, or I had this surclage or I didn't have this surclage and this was the outcome. And none of those things are you, right? So none of those can really give you the information that you need to really feel good. You know, I, I mean, I think it's different for everybody, but I wonder how did you navigate that? Yeah. So, um, I, when I was pregnant with Enzo and we were waiting, like we had already started labor. We were in the hospital waiting, trying to like make it, make him stay um, put as long as we could. Um, I would look for like those positive, like stories of like, you know, I went into labor at 24 weeks, mm-hmm. but we made it to 34 weeks. And yep. cause I was thinking that is such a long time and even doctors would tell me like hey yeah this has happened before it's possible and so I would like cling to those stories and just like read them one after another to be like okay this is possible this is trying to like will it to happen um and then it didn't and um and that was really hard to be um part of the story that didn't go well um but it was also um such an awakening for me like you said none of those stories are me and they could never be me um so the second time around when i was pregnant i avoided the internet at all costs i i couldn't let myself be inundated with all that information I couldn't appropriate any of those stories or anecdotes or statistics I needed to like keep it as far away from me as I could because I didn't Mm -hmm. want it to I I think there was part of me that 
um, and I think I mentioned this in the first podcast too, I would, it was really weird how um, while I was pregnant with Enzo, I think I read a story on Instagram about a mom and the loss and I was like heartbroken. And then that kind of just like got obsessed. Like I was like a little bit of an obsession in my head. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of went, you know, not, it wasn't the same story, but I experienced my own loss. And I said, did, did I, you know, we hear a lot of like manifestations and did I, did I attract this to my life? And so the second time around, I was like, I cannot, like, I almost need to be, um, like have like a cylinder around me of like just protection and not let anything influence anything. Cause I didn't want, um, I didn't want to feel that guilt. Like I brought this upon myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, that's how I kind of approach it as of like, there was a don't, you know, even I think the only time I ever um, knew of like the statistics of me going into preterm labor again was at an appointment where I was early on in my pregnancy and he, the doctor kind of just listed off like, okay, like this, these are your chances. These are the stats. And that was the last time I ever spoke about that. I never asked questions about it. I was just like, I'm going to pretend that there isn't any risk. Um, and of course, you know, the whole time I'm doing stuff to prevent it. Like I, I was given medication early on um, to like try to help keep uh, me pregnant, I guess. Um, and, but at the same time, I, I was just trying to treat it as um, mm-hmm. like there's, I can't, I can't go, I can't think about it too much because then it yeah. will happen. <laughs> I, I mean, I totally agree. First of all, I had that same experience right before I got pregnant. I read a New York Times article and it was about stillbirth. And I was like, this sounds awful. This would be so terrible if it happened to someone. And I was like, I did it. I brought it by myself. Yeah. But I like to think of it as like um, your your brain becomes so hyper aware. You're, you know, now we know it's, we were in fight or flight, right? When you're going to this kind of second pregnancy. And so you're so hyper aware and hyper vigilant. So I think of it as like, I'm putting up a shield because regularly I might be able to deflect some of this information, but in this state, I, I know that I would latch onto it and it's not helpful. Now I know that there's other circumstances and people find a lot of the, the groups and the articles really helpful and really stabilizing. Mm -hmm. So I want to validate that it's totally up to, you know, whatever you feel is right. And I think it's about having awareness Mm -hmm. and maybe asking people you love, you know, I notice after I read this that I have trouble sleeping or I have more intrusive thoughts or my heart rate is, is higher. You know, it's all about making your body feel safe um, too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And and it is such a a me thing because even to this day, if I get too involved in reading um, stories or or, um, testimonies Mm -hmm. and, and we have such a beautiful community on Facebook and sometimes I have to mute it because sometimes yep. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I start noticing things um, or symptoms that are not really there that I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I think I'm like Ava's going through this. And um, so it is, I, I agree, it is totally an individual thing. And, and then there's times where I really am just uplifted. And I know you guys are so so good at reminding moms to listen to their hearts and where they're at on in their journey and if they need to mute or if they need to take a step back to do it and I am um, 100% agree on that yeah well first of all I love you guys so much and thank you guys for sharing it's just an honor to get to just sit here and listen to you talk and I'm just continually in awe of all that you guys have journeyed through and your children. And so just know it's been very sacred to just be able to sit here and listen. Um, I did want to ask a few kind of logistical seems like a really gross word, but just like maybe some practical questions too. Um, So not to backtrack, but you know, you guys had mentioned like maybe that year period after you had your firstborn. So you know, what did those early conversations look like with your partner? And when did you guys know like, okay, we feel ready or did you feel ready to start trying again? You know, what did that first look like for you guys? Um, so 
for me, um, I think the first, I would even say the first six months after um, we lost Enzo, I was um, really kind of grieving and, uh, and yeah, like kind of in a zombie state of um, just trying to figure out life. And then once six months passed, I feel like I could kind of feel like a, a little bit of a fog that was like lifted and and I know deep down, like it was um, for sure the possibility of like, okay, six months from now, I can, I can have, I can try to have another baby. Um, and I never once stopped longing to have a baby. I, um, I just, I, I wanted it so, so badly. Um, and I remember um, at that time, I used to nanny and I had taken a break or I had um, stopped when I got pregnant with Enzo and um, somewhere around like the six months, um, my boss had called me and said, Hey, do you want to, I, she had had a baby a few days after I went into labor with Enzo. So her son would have basically been Enzo's age. Um, mm. And she said, I, you know, this is super sensitive and you can say no, but would you want to come back on? I, you know, I'm needing the help. And, and I surprised myself and said, yes. And um, those, those months being able to care for a little baby that would have been my son's age mm-hmm. um, in such a surprising way were such a tool for my healing just to be able to hold a baby. And like, I remember she really wanted me to like help him like sleep on his own, but I would push back and say, no, let me just rock him to sleep. Or let me just hold him and like feel this little baby curled up in my arms because I was missing and longing for that so, so, so much. And um, Andy knew all along. Um, he he knew that I, I needed that. I think he... When we, when I found out I was pregnant, I don't even think we had a conversation, honestly. I think you're going back to your yeah. question. Um, there was never like a talk. Um, I think I remember telling him at one point, like, hey, they said a year and in a year we can try again. And I remember, I know <laughs> the day that we conceived, <laughs> I knew I had a plan all along. Um, and I didn't um, really let him in on that plan I was really focused on what I wanted and what I um you know I was it was very much like me taking the the wheel and saying okay I got this like um and I remember I knew that I was pregnant before I took the test um and I remember telling Andy and I remember fear in his eyes when I told him and that was the first time that I realized I, I didn't consider him at all in this whole thing. I used him <laughs> to get um, to what I wanted. Um, and it was really a, a very hard thing for me to swallow because um, we're a team. And... Um, I, I totally took advantage of him and it felt so, so bad. So that first month um, was me and him then having those conversations, you know, and, and me sure. yeah. letting him in a little bit on um, what was going on in, in my heart and then also giving him the space to have the reaction that he was having and to um, not take it personally and not be like, what? You're not, you know, like, cause of course he was happy. And of course he wanted this yeah. baby as much as I did. He just wasn't given the opportunity to process even the idea of bringing, um, a new life into this world. And so, um, I needed to give him that space to, to do that and to have the reactions that he was going to have. And, and to express, like, I'm really afraid, and um, I don't want to 
go through this again and I don't want to lose you. Um, so, so it was, um, yeah, that was not probably the way that I wish it would have gone. Um, but it's, it was, it was what happened. It, it, it was how, how we, we got pregnant. <laughs> kind of a little deceitful. <laughs> yeah. And I say that now I can say that and I can, and I know that my heart, um, yeah. like I, like you said, Martha, like, um, you know, you, you do, you make decisions and, and I know now that it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a monster for going and oh, doing no, this. No, like, you know, no, like, cause no. I, you know, I can, I say these things and it is, it's like a little bit of, of, of heartache to know, like, um, that I didn't let my, my partner in on this part of my life. Um, but, um, at the same time, it also was, um, something that we then have totally built on and like been able to really be honest with each other from that point on you know like it allowed for this like new dynamic with us that wasn't there before Mm -hmm. yeah i i think you that is um what you bring up and your experience i'm sure is echoed with so many other people because so how many people have we interviewed Ash that are like, Oh, I, my partner and I never even talked about what happened because we, you kind of are operating under this assumption and your brain is doing it to you, right. To protect you that you were both there. So you know what happened. And so you Mm -hmm. can intuit what the other person feels. And while that is sort of the case, um, I think what happens is because you're in flight or flight, you don't have that executive function to be like, Oh, I wonder if we should sit down and talk about what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did the exact same thing. We didn't talk about how we felt about any of it until afterwards because we were all about the logistics. We were like, Mm -hmm. we've got to do doctor's appointments and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Okay. And we can do this, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, bam, you're pregnant again. Then you have a NICU stay and you're like, what the heck just happened? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I would have, one thing I would have done differently too is like made sure we were both maybe in counseling too. I didn't see Mm -hmm. a therapist till after we had kids. And um, I think, that would have been really helpful. It could have maybe um, c- created cushion and margin for both of us to support each other better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that our, you know, our partners are fantabulous. They're wonderful, but still, you know, yeah. and the same way, us to support them Truly. both ways. Truly. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh, and that's why I said at the beginning of this conversation, I said, like, I don't think that my healing really began until after Ava was born. Or really, like, when I was really honest about it. Um, So, yeah, 100%. I agree with you there, Martha. Yeah. Well, and you guys had kind of mentioned early on in the episode some of the things that people said that were super hurtful or off-cuff, and it was like, excuse me? So I'd also love to know, you know, what were there people in your life throughout your second pregnancy that – like really helped you or like you felt super supported by and how did they support you and and what did that mean for you or you know why do you remember it being so impactful I can go first a couple of things I was really lucky to and I mean it's just dumb luck that I was in a job where I had people like people who would make flexibility and accommodations for me. Mm. Um, I think it's happening more and more now, but basically I remember my OB telling me, she was like, you're really lucky that you don't have to quit your job right now. <laughs> like, because mm. I was going to be home on bed rest. Part of the reason is because I had to pee every five seconds. And if I didn't <laughs> pee, then I would start having preterm contractions. Um, so she was like, you're, you're very, very blessed. She was like the vast majority of my patients just have to quit their jobs or use up all 12 weeks of their, um, FMLA and pray for to have a position afterwards. But I was very lucky to have an employer who was very flexible and I worked from home, um, literally horizontal, like I, cause I couldn't sit up fully. Um, and that was a really big gift. Um, I also think too, like I, my um, mom and my siblings were really supportive of us and really lovely. And 
I was just thinking about it. I got to see if I can find it. But I have, uh, they made this like chalkboard for me, like a countdown. Mm. And so every time I hit a week, they would be like, JJ is blabla, you know, blank oh, weeks or whatever. And so they'd come and they like fill it in and that type of thing. And it was, it was really cute. So we had that. Mm. And um, yeah, it was just, it was, um, it was very sweet. My mom would just come over and do things for me. Like we had a playhouse in our backyard and she came and painted it um, in the middle of summer and it was like so hot. And I would like come out to like take a peek and she'd be like, go get inside and drink water. <laughs> it's just the little things that make you feel yeah. like you're not alone. Right. Because yeah, it also was a very sure. isolating experience because you're, yeah. it's your body mm-hmm. and you can't yeah. get away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- those types of things were so beautiful and helpful and not people saying, I know this, it's going to be different this time. Right. I think people want, we cling to certainty. We all do. So this mm-hmm. idea of saying, oh, that won't happen again. I'm sure of it. Right, I'm right. sure it'll be different this time. You and I both know that that's not yeah. the truth. That's it's, mm-hmm. um, there are so many beautiful people in this community that have wildly varying pregnancy stories, you know? Mm-hmm full-term, pre-term, uh, emergent, planned, all these different things. You know, some people are able to have home births after they have emergency C-sections, a lot of different experiences. But we know that there, there is no guarantees and that's hard. Yeah. So mm-hmm. pretending like it is, is actually makes it, actually makes it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to saying, I'm here for you no matter what, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what makes the difference. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. And Likewise, my family was definitely like I have two sisters, my mom. Um, they were just awesome and celebrated everything. Um, I had really good friends who also just celebrated every little thing and um, genuinely like checked in and wanted to um be part of this pregnancy and celebrate it. Um, and um, I would say that even with that support, I did feel like I wanted to carry it all by myself. So I would have no trouble um, celebrating and um, sharing even on my socials, um, updates of like ultrasounds. I was having so many ultrasounds because of my high risk that I, I mean, I loved it because I got to see Ava every week it felt like. Um, and I loved sharing that. I loved sharing the, her ultrasound pictures um, with friends, with um, anyone that would see. Um, and, but the hard parts, um, the anxiety, the fear that I did experience, that I did have, um, I carried by myself. I didn't want to let people in on that. So I didn't talk too much about this um, before, but something that was super, super, like what I really was like my rock during my second pregnancy was my faith and scripture. And I did really dive into just like reading a lot of scripture during my second pregnancy. And I would memorize, like I'd never memorized verses before, but that was something that I really like, I needed some, um, I needed to like a higher power to sustain me in all of that I was going through, all of the emotions. Um, all the fear, all, I needed somewhere that I could put that all on. And I knew that it, I wasn't gonna really find that um, in my peers or in um, the people in my life, um, even on my husband. I didn't wanna put that on them um, to begin with. So I really did, I think that was kind of where I turned in my that pregnancy was just really um putting it in a higher in a higher power and and just trusting and trying to let go of any outcome because like you said Martha we aren't like I was not unaware of like this could go um not how I planned and so I needed someone that even if it things didn't go how I wanted them to go to like be able to like fall on and um 
And for me, that was, that was God. And so I think that was good. And I think that in a lot of ways, when did, when things did, didn't go how I wanted them to go. When I went into labor at 26 weeks, I was able to, again, trust and, and, and let go of some of that. And, um, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, that's going to take away, like, like I still had a really hard time and it was still, and I think that a lot came up even after in my faith um, that I'm still kind of wrestling with. Um, but I was able to really understand that ah, I am such a small piece in this huge like mosaic of life. When you realize all the stories that are around us, it really is, such a beautiful experience to be able to do it in a collective, like to know that we're not alone, right? Like that's our message, you're not alone. Um, and so for me, um, being able to kind of trust that there is something that I will never really understand, but that is taken care of um, was a huge part of being able to navigate that second pregnancy more than peers, more than like those assurances that I couldn't really accept yeah it's almost kind of like an antidote to that thing that we hear all the time which is and it drives me nuts I'm sure you guys see it Ashley we've talked about it but our bodies were made to have babies mm. right this kind of conversation um first of all I mean yeah like uh, logistically, yeah, in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of different things. There's like genetic mutations and birth, ab you know, birth defects. Like what I have is a birth defect mm -hmm. and um, uh, environmental and socioeconomic and unfortunately like racial factors that come mm -hmm. into play because of like systemic racism in these mm -hmm. systems. There's a lot of other factors at play um, that have nothing to do with you and your ability to um, desire or, or physical capability, right? There's, I think it's just really unfair that we put that on women and people who give birth to say, well, this should just come naturally. Mm -hmm. And as if, if it doesn't, or if something terrible happens, like we've both experienced, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That means that we did something wrong mm -hmm. because if everybody else can do it, what's wrong with us, yeah. right? By the way, we have a really fun special guest in the background, which is um, Silas, and he looks so cute. He's that wearing headphones. So he's, oh, my gosh. He's got lime green headphones oh that match God. his Ninja Turtle shirt. Oh. Oh. Um, well, as Ashley assists our um, our uh, fourth guest there, which is, which is Silas, I wonder if we want to just wrap up and um, – you know, we like to end all of our episodes by asking what encouragement you would say or provide to um, a mom or a family who is considering having, you know, getting pregnant, having another baby or is currently pregnant and having another baby after a NICU loss or after a pregnancy loss. You know, what words of wisdom would you share with them? So to you, dear NICU mama, who is considering having another pregnancy after loss or who is currently pregnant after experiencing loss, I want you to know that however you got to this point, whatever you need in this moment, however you feel right now is valid. I don't want you to feel guilty or shame because you are worth having a beautiful experience in bringing life into this world. You deserve it. And however that happens, and maybe it doesn't happen, that doesn't take away your worth. I just really, really, really want you to hear that you are worth it and you are valuable and you are loved. I love Aisha so much. 
Um, that's so beautiful. Also, earlier at the beginning of the episodes, I started crying and I was like, you gotta get it together, Martha. <laughs> so that should not help. Um I mean, I mean, obviously everything Asia said was beautiful and perfect and lol, what could I add to it? Um, but all I mean, all I would say is that you just um there are certain things in life that will feel a hundred percent yes or a hundred percent no in your life. And I wish I could say that I know that you will feel like, yes, I'm a hundred percent ready or no, I know for sure that I'm a hundred percent done. Right. But it might not ever feel that way. And that's okay. Um, know that you're not alone in that experience and whatever you choose, um, with your future. Um, or like you said, if maybe it's not even a choice at all for you, I hope you just know that where you're at is completely valid and we can all just make the best decisions that we can with the information we've had, we have at the time. Um, just keep checking in with yourself, check in with your partner and your loved ones to create as much extra space for yourself as possible during this time. Like Aisha said, you're worthy of that time. You don't need to, um, be, uh, bringing on any extra stress. You don't need to be you deserve to do what feels right for you. That's all I should say. Well, Aisha, thank you so much for being here today. It's always such a gift to talk with you and chat um, and hear about your beautiful kids. I think that you're a very, you're like a warm cup of tea. You're just <laughs> yeah. very stabilizing and and lovely. And um, I, I also would encourage everyone to make sure you listen to Aisha's episodes, make sure you read the letters that she's written for us and, and what she's shared um, as part of our editorial team. She's a gift to the community. And so are you listeners. You are a gift as well. Well, my dear friends, thank you so much for sharing. And from the sisterhood to you, just know that we um, we honor all that your body has gone through, all that you have gone through. And that um, this sisterhood is committed to honoring and remembering all of your children. And so thank you for being here and for um, giving us the chance to hear your heart. And to other um, lost mamas in our community, we hope that you feel hugged and seen today. And no matter where you are in your family building journey, just know that we are with you. So we love you. We will be back next week. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.